Numbers chapter number 21 this morning, Numbers chapter number 21, and hopefully you have a Sunday school lesson there looking at the brazen serpent, doing overview of the Pentateuch, and again, this is one of those <coughs> chapters that are really key. Jesus himself spoke about this story out of John chapter 3. We'll look at that in just a moment also. But just five verses long, story of the brazen serpent. So let's look at that together. Numbers 21, look at verse number 5 now. We'll read down to verse number 9, Numbers 21, verses 5 through 9. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. I always get a kick out of that verse because they say there's no bread, and then they say we loathe this light bread. It's like they don't know what they're saying. They were independent Baptists probably. All right, verse number six. It says, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. All right, let's pray together. Would you pray in your heart? Father, again, thank you for letting us be in church this morning. Would you again help us have an understanding heart? Apply this to our life. Thank you again for your word. And we have every word, a Bible from you. Father, again, speak to us in a real way. And bless the services, bless the teachers. They teach also in Jesus' name. Amen. This familiar story is nothing new to you. Uh, Jesus, again, uh, says this in John chapter 3, talks about the servant being lifted up in the wilderness. Uh, this simple story, what a um, clear presentation of the gospel as far as how a person can be saved. Hold your place. I'm going to come back to numbers, but would you look over what Jesus said? I want you to see these two verses in John chapter 3. We often quote verse number 16, but we sometimes fail to read the two verses before that. Verse 16, for God so loved the world. But verse number 14 says, in John chapter 3, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Just me this uh, perfect picture of salvation, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, that a person would only be healed if they looked upon it and lived. And they would live, obviously, if they looked upon it. And um, again, we have a picture here both for the lost and saved. So I want to talk to you about both of those this morning for just a moment. And I want to do the true picture of, of what Jesus used it. Whenever you see something mentioned in the New Testament, it really gives you either a clearer picture or tells more of the characteristic of the story or person uh, as mentioned in the Old Testament. So this particular story Jesus is using is a picture of salvation uh, that takes place here. Um, just, let's just go ahead and walk through it together. Again, salvation is pretty clear. In each verse, there's kind of a point, if you'd say, verse 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. But in, in Numbers chapter 21, the first thing that we see in verse 21 was the sin of God's people. It says, the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore, have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Now, church family, it doesn't matter if it's a little sin or a big sin. Sin is what sends us to hell. A person doesn't get to heaven because of their good works. They get to heaven because of Jesus Christ. Are you in agreement with that? Say amen. All right. Yesterday, I was at, uh, at the funeral service for uh, Miriam's mother. She sits, uh, comes in on Sunday morning. She sits in services here. But her mother passed away, and it was a Burmese service. So I didn't understand a word they said. All right. And it was, it was full of Burmese people. And uh, I did not realize her mother would come here. And um, I couldn't talk to her, but she sat in every service. And I know what she feels like now, listening to my English when I sat in her Burmese service. But uh, apparently more of the story was told. Uh, her mother um, was a pastor's wife. Her husband started a church in Burma, and he stayed there until he passed away there. 
and then she came over to the States, and, but she wouldn't miss a service. Think about that. And she came here and couldn't understand a word, but she sat in the service. And I'll tell you what, I really enjoyed the Burmese service yesterday. Um, Miriam, because things are a little bit different than how uh, we would do a funeral. But I walked in the door and uh, I came in just in time for the service to start. I was just going to sit in the back again just to pay my respects and again be an encouragement to Miriam. And Miriam meets me at the door. She was sitting on the platform. She comes out, meets me at the door. She grabs my hand and walks me down like a kindergartner to the front row. <laughs> unbelievable. And I couldn't say anything. The service is going on and she's got my arm. Alrighty, and so I went down to the front row, and then halfway through the service, she says, uh, she, she leaves the platform, the service is going on, you know, and she comes down to me and says, would you say a word, would you like to say a word about my mother? I said, well, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Of course, I can't understand a word anything said there, I mean, I was really out of place. So uh, anyway, I got to the platform, and they interpreted for me. But you could tell Miriam was a Christian throughout the whole service, and I was able to give the, just again remind them that Miriam was not, Miriam's mother was not in heaven because she went to church. She was in heaven because of Jesus Christ. And uh, sometimes we, if we're not careful, uh, we allow the lost world to taint our thinking as if I have to go to church, I have to live a good life, I have to live by a certain code. You get to heaven strictly because of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't matter if you sin a little or a lot. You know, you look at the children of Israel's sin and you think all they did was murmur. They were critical. They were complaining. But can I tell you something? It doesn't matter if you murmur, if you kill somebody, it's still sin in God's sight. And it's sin what sends a person to hell. All right, so the first thing that we see is the sin of the, of the people. And when it comes to the world that we live in, every person is going to have to give an account to God, either at the great white throne judgment or at the judgment seat of Christ. The great white throne judgment will be for those who are lost. The judgment seat of Christ will be for those who are saved. And at the great white throne judgment, the verdict's already out. It's not like you're going to change it. All right, so again, the sin, Romans 5, 12. Wherefore is by sin, uh, wherefore by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. We didn't teach our children to sin, right? They got it from their mother. Okay. We don't teach our children to sin. You know what? They came on it all their own. They figured out how to lie on their own. They figured out how to cheat on their own. They figured out how to be mean on their own. They figured out how to say bad words on their own. Can, can you understand that that's, that's because it's our sin nature, okay? A person who thinks they have a perfect child are delusional, all right? There are no perfect children. There are sinful children, all right? We scratch our head and sometimes we think, why did they do that? Or where did they get that from? I want to tell you where they got that from. They got it from Adam. Okay, so sin entered the world. So Adam and Eve, sin, sin took place. Every person has a sin debt because everybody's a sinner. All right, so we see that very clearly in this picture of this plan of salvation mentioned in these five verses. The first thing is sin. Look at the next thing in verse number six. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now, church, can I tell you, there's a judgment for sin. All right, I think it's interesting that God sent fiery serpents, and the serpent is a representation of who in the Bible? It's a picture of the devil. All right, what did Satan come as in the Garden of Eden? Came as a serpent, all right? What did he try to get Adam and Eve to do? To sin against God. And so we understand that there's a judgment for sin, all right? So as a, as a lost person, uh, before I got saved, I was on my way to hell. Why? Because that's the punishment for sin. You're not, every person in here this morning, if you're saved this morning, say amen. amen. Okay, you were under the judgment of God. You were already condemned. The Bible says you were condemned already. But aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ made a way of escape? But you understand the judgment. And we look at the judgment sometimes in, in our logical mind. We say, well, that's an awful stiff judgment. Okay, we're coming to the next point. God made a way of escape. Okay, but the judgment is pretty strict. 
The judgment is to die and go to hell. And then from hell, you're going to go to the lake of fire forever and ever. There was a judgment for sin. God judges sin. Look at the next thing he says. First of all, the sin of God's people. Then we see the judgment um, for sin. Look at verse number seven. Therefore, the people came to Moses and what did they say? We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against, against thee. So the next thing we see is repentance. We, the word repentance actually means change of mind. Years ago, probably 20 years ago, among fundamentalists, there was a big uh, discrepancy on what re repentance really meant, okay? And one leaned more toward lordship salvation, that repentance meant a changed life, and the other one went toward exactly what repentance means, means a change of mind, okay? Church, I mean, the thing that sends a person to hell is unbelief, all right? Now, we say sin, and that's true. It's our sin that, that is judged. But when a person does not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, remember how easy it was in the Philippian jailer? He said, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's just a matter of believing. Romans chapter 10, verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When you look at the story here about the children of Israel, God made a way of escape, but unless they believe Moses' word, they wouldn't look. If they don't look, they don't live. All right, so it goes back to a belief in God's, uh, what God says. All right, so we see, first of all, the sin of, God, of God's people. And again, the sin of mankind. We see there's a judgment of mankind. We see that there's a repentance of mankind. Now, can I tell you, you got saved not because you gave up bad clothing, bad associates, or bad uh, um, uh, character traits. What you did is you got saved because you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you said, I'm a sinner. All right? When we witness the people and we go to their door and we say, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? And they say no. And you say, can I take a moment and just show you what the Bible says? The first thing you go to is Rome, most of the time, the Romans wrote, is Romans 3 what? 3.10 or 3.23? 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. 3.23, for all have... Hey, if you can't get a person to see that they're a sinner, they can't be saved. What am I being saved from if it's not because of my sin? All right? It's like a person that's drowning. A person doesn't call for a lifeguard unless they can't swim. You know, what we've got to understand is this, is that when it comes to our children, it's just real simple faith. I'm a sinner. You know, it's funny. Kids don't have a problem figuring out they're sinners. All right? Sometimes adults do, okay? But the, it's real simple. We need to do what the children of Israel said. I have sinned. All right, so the first thing we see is that there was the sin of sin, and then we see the judgment, then we see the repentance, all right? Now, again, we're talking about salvation, just as he said in John chapter 3. Look at the next thing when it comes to being saved. Not only sin, judgment, repentance, look at verse number 8. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. All right? Now, remember 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9? He said, God is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. It says, but he is not, well, I'm going to go to the next phrase, but he is not willing that any should perish, but what? Oh. All should come to repentance, all right? So God, for God so loved the world that he gave what? So God made a way of escape by sending his son Jesus to pay for our sin, right? All right? So I'm going to heaven because Jesus Christ took my place. I'm going to heaven because my sin was placed upon Jesus. And as the, as the Bible says, Jesus said, as the serpent is lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man. So must Jesus. So is the Son of Man be lifted up. This is kind of, you know, I've had this for years. I always keep it around because I eventually go back to this. But Moses took a serpent. It was a brazen serpent, a serpent of brass. And he said, now listen, I'm going to raise this serpent up. If you've been bitten by the snake, all you got to do is look upon it. All right. What was that? God made a way of escape, or if I can say his mercy, so that they could be saved, so that they didn't have to die. 
you are saved because of the mercy of God by sending his son, Jesus Christ. All right, so there was a time in your life you were a sinner. All right, you're still a sinner, but because of your sin, you're on your way to hell. There's a judgment for that sin, die and go to hell. Then you have the repentance of our sin. Okay, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Then you have God's mercy providing a way of escape. All right, and of course, Jesus is that mercy. Last thing I want you to see about the plan of salvation here is mentioned in verse number uh, nine. It says, and Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now think about that last phrase. And when he beheld the serpent of brass, then he lived. You know, it goes the same thing with trying to tell people about Jesus Christ. We don't make people get saved. All we do is tell them. So what Moses said, listen, I know you came to me because you're dying. You've been bitten by these fiery serpents. Okay, so if you want to be healed, you've got to look and live. But they had to choose to look. You know, we talk to people about Jesus Christ, and we tell them, hey, listen, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, so you don't have to go to hell. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you deserve to go to hell. But Jesus died for you. All you have to do is look and live. All you have to do is believe on him. Can we make them get saved? No, we can't make people get saved. You know why? Because of the choice that people have to make. God gave everybody a free what? Free will. So we have to choose to be saved. You know, I'm thankful that I got saved as, a, as an 11-year-old boy. And, uh, and I was able to grow up in a Christian home. And sometimes when that happens, you hear it all the time. It's like almost second nature to you. You know, it's sometimes, and I hate to say it this way, but it's almost refreshing sometimes to meet somebody who's in their 20s and 30s who, when the light comes on, they realize all that God forgave them of. Amen. It's like they have almost a stronger desire than a kid that was raised in a Christian home. Christian home kids have a tendency to serve God and please God because of, um, because of a habit, whereas a person who gets saved later in life and they see what God saved them from and where God's gonna take them when they die, there's such a love for God. It's not a habit to them. It's a relationship to them. Amen. And can I tell you this, uh, again, this is a story. It is a prime, perfect example of salvation. We're all sinners. The judgment is that we're gonna die and go to hell. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for our sin. And I've got to look and live. I have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of my sins Amen. in order to be saved. Now this morning, this is the Sunday school hour. I'm gonna guess that most of you, if not all of you this morning, have made a time in your life where you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. This is what this story is about. Now, I wanna take just a few moments this morning and I wanna use the same story. And I wanna talk about the Christian because I don't think this story is just about evangelizing the lost. I do think it's the edification of the saved. I do also not think that it's just a matter of saving those who are lost. I believe it is also about sanctifying those who are saved. Now I'll tell you why. Because the children of Israel was a picture of the believer, not a picture of the unbeliever. Jesus Christ used the story of the serpent to illustrate that salvation, that Jesus Christ was going to be hung on a cross one day. And when the Son of Man is lifted up, those who look upon him can be saved from their snake bite, from their sin. All right, are you only so far say amen? Now, let's make the parallel now with the Christian for just a few moments. Think about this for a second here. It was the children of Israel that had committed this particular sin. And by the way, in prior to this, I'll have you look at it real quick. I'll read just a couple of things with you. In the beginning of this chapter, chapter 21, Numbers 21, you're going to find out in verse number one that some of them were taken captive. In verse one, it says, And when King Arad the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people unto my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanite. And they utterly destroyed them in their, in their cities. And he called the name of the place Hormah. Look at verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea 
to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much what? Discouraged because of the way. Then in verse 5, and the people spake against God and against Moses. Just, I mean, think about uh, for just a moment. In the previous chapter, Aaron dies. The high priest, Aaron's gone. At the beginning of this chapter, uh, if I can say they were, they were Israelites taken captive by this heathen king. It also just prior to what took place with, the, with this brazen serpent is the Bible says they had to come past Edom. What that means is they had to go around Edom because the Edomites wouldn't let them go through their property. All right? So then the Bible says they are very discouraged because of the way. And now what are they doing? Well, why would you bring us here? God, you shouldn't have done this. Moses, you shouldn't have done this. Can I tell you, we as God's people, as Christians, we do the same thing. We have things that happen in our life that cause us to get discouraged in the way, but that is no excuse for sin. It, God doesn't look at the children of Israel and says, okay, you know, I know you've had a long journey, and I know some of your, your kids were taken captive, and I know Aaron the high priest is dead, and so it's okay. You can go ahead and murmur against me. It doesn't happen that way. You know, sometimes we as Christians, we have a lot of things go through our life that cause us, or I should say provoke us, to sin. They provoke us to do the things that are wrong. But that's no excuse. You know what you need to do? You still need to get right with God. Amen. And when you look at this story, this story is not just salvation. This story is the sanctification of God's people. How do we get right with God? Okay, we sin. God judges us for it. God, we repent of it. God makes a way of escape. And what is it? All oh, back to this idea of a belief system. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by... All right, so it's believing what God's word says. Do you believe it in 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. If you believe that, then what happens is, is you look and live. You know, it's just a matter of taking God at his word. So it doesn't matter if you're lost or saved. A lost person gets saved through, again, believing the word of the Lord, just like they had to believe the word of Moses, which was from the word of the, for, word of the Lord. And the same thing we as Christians, if we're going to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord and have God's blessing in our life, when we sin, we confess it, we get forgiveness, and then God blesses us. I mean, the, the order stays the same. And I want to tell you, as Christians, if we're not careful, we become like the children of Israel. We allow circumstances and things and people to cause us to get disgruntled with God or get discouraged with God as far as what God's doing in our life. I wish my marriage was better. I wish my children were better. I wish the church was better. Now, wait a second. What's going on in your life right now that's causing you to think that way? It's not an excuse. And, and, and God still judges our murmuring, our criticisms. And so what, what, do we, what do we need to do? We need to do what the children of Israel did. I've sinned. You know, God again said to Moses, he says, listen, lift up that serpent in the wilderness and a person still has a choice. Can I tell you something? You have a choice to stay discouraged or not be discouraged. You have a choice to believe God's word or not believe God's word. It's not a matter of that, you know, I just, I, I wish there was another way out. Yeah, there is a way out. Take God at his word. Amen. Okay, so if you're having a rough time physically or spiritually or mentally, emotionally, whatever it might be, it's not an excuse not to live the Christian life like you're supposed to live the Christian life. The children of Israel did not get out of their circumstance just because of what they were going through. In fact, God judged them for it. All right. And, and we look at that and say, boy, God's, God was awful harsh to them. No, God was awful merciful to them because he didn't give them what they deserved. You know, every one of us, if you're saved, God didn't give what you deserve when it comes to hell. But can I tell you something? As a Christian, God still doesn't give us what we deserve. One of my favorite verses, Psalm 103.10, he hath not dealt with us after our sins nor reward us according to our iniquities. And you know, sometimes we fail to remember that, that God's really not given us what we deserve. You know, if you've got children at home, 
you know, as a parent, you look at things different than your children do, and you, can I use the word overlook, or can I just say mercy maybe sometimes? We overlook or we're merciful in some areas of our life, or sometimes our kid either deserves a spanking or a reprimand, or things taken from them, but the kid never thinks about that. I mean, I don't know about you, but my kids never come up to me and say, oh, thank you for being so merciful, not giving me what I deserve. My children have never done that, all right? Maybe yours do, mine don't. But as a child of God, that's exactly what God does for us. God's merciful to us, and he doesn't give us what we deserve. And so, again, this morning as a Christian, can I just tell you, it doesn't matter what you're going through in your life. Can I tell you what you need to do? You need to, first of all, recognize your sin. You're sinning. When you do wrong, you sin. You need to recognize the mercy of God. You need to believe him and take him at his word and get forgiveness and let God bless your life. You know, I don't know, but the Bible gives the implication that there were some that wouldn't look. It doesn't tell us that. But Moses made it very clear, if you look, you're going to live. You know, you, again, salvation is so clear on that because there's so many people that we witness to. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, narrow is the way that leadeth to life everlasting. We know there's a host of people that don't accept the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior, because they simply choose not to believe. Look at a, look at a, look at a brazen, a, a serpent of brass, how can that help me? Believe that Jesus died on the cross, take away my sin, how's that going to help me? Look and live. A person who believes receives. Are we agreement on that? Okay, can I tell you, it's the same thing for a Christian. Don't lose sight of the same faith that it took you to be saved. It's the same faith that it takes to live the Christian life. You say, why? Because faith is just taking God at his word. Amen. Faith is just taking God at his word. I, I, I know that I know that I'm saved, First John 5, 13. I know it. There's no, I don't have any doubt about it. I know where I'm going when I die. I mean, you know what? I can live my Christian life, the sanctified life, the saved life. I can live that kind of life with just the same assurance. Why? Because of taking God at his word. That's what it's about. And that means take God at his word when it comes to marriage, raising children, working your job, being a witness. Everything of our Christian life is just simply doing what the Bible says. Am I right? So if I'm not doing what the Bible says, guess what I've got to do? I've got to confess that. I've got to do what the children of Israel said. I have sinned. And you know when that takes place, there's healing. You're not going to have healing in your spiritual life as long as you don't take God at his word and obey it. Right. You've got to obey God. And you've got to do what God says. Hey, aren't you glad we don't answer to a priest? Yes. There's no Pope. I'm not Pope Hanks, by the way. Right? You don't come confess your sin. Aren't you glad of that? I'm glad we've got direct access to the Heavenly Father. Then take God at his word. Take God at his word. Believe him. You know, you come to church this morning, hopefully not just out of duty or a habit. I hope you come to church this morning, like every other service, that you come to, for the Lord to really speak to your heart. Wasn't that a blessing what she sang a moment ago? Amen. You know, those words of the song, to have that kind of relationship with God, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? You know, that's what God wants. That's what God wants for our life. Listen, I hope that just like you come to church, that you want to hear from God, that when you hear from God, you do what he says, not what you want. You know, I think a lot of Christians live in hypocrisy. I think, I think the reason the Pharisees were with Jesus is because that's really a picture of so much of Christianity. We get so pharisaical as if we're the standard and we're the one that's right. When we are not the standard, Christ is the standard. Amen. Amen. Pastor Hanks is not the standard. You as a parent are not the standard. The standard is Jesus Christ. Amen. And so what happens is this, is we get so wrapped up that, okay, I know what's right and what I do is right. And we try to get people to match us. And I, I want to tell you something. It's not about matching us. Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow. as I follow Christ. 
Hey, whatever God does in your life, take God at his word and obey so that you can have healing and God's blessing upon your life. So if you're here this morning and you're lost, I tell you, just like, like Moses said, look and live. As we sang the song, look and live, my brother live, look to Jesus now and live. It's recorded in his word if you only look and live. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, he's the one you have to do it. But I also say to the Christian this morning, look and live, believe God at his word, and you'll have the healing and blessing of God upon your life.